Welcome to the show. It's Friday, so that means I'm out, and it's also hashtag FOF, or F-O-F, Friends on Fridays. This Friday, we will broadcast John Zipper's week-to-week show. The program today is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. And now here's Week to Week with John Zipperer. Hello, I'm John Zipperer, the host of the Commonwealth Club's Week to Week Political Roundtable. You can find out more about Week to Week, including how to attend a program when you're in the Bay Area, and about all of our 450 programs a year by going to commonwealthclub.org. Now, let's join today's program. Let's get started. Welcome everybody to Week to Week, the political roundtable from the Commonwealth Club of California from Monday, July 24th, 2017. Now, last week, of course, we saw another case of angry tweets. (laughs) Just when we thought airlines couldn't get many more disastrous, along comes right-wing political provocateur, Ann Coulter, who was freaking out about having to change seats on her Delta flight, and we once again fell in love with airlines. Uh, Wired Magazine, by the way, put it this way in a headline, quote, Ann Coulter is so awful she makes Delta Airlines look good, unquote. (laughs) (laughs) This is a good time for me to point out that the Commonwealth Club of California is a place for people of a wide variety of views. We're nonpartisan. We do not take a position on how awful Ann Coulter is. I'm John Zipper. I'm your host for Week to Week and uh, the Commonwealth Club's Vice President of Media (coughs) Editorial. Um, on today's program, we are going to discuss the health care legislation in Washington, the latest with President Trump, of course, the latest doings of California Republicans and de- Democrats and their state and local races here, some celebrities who are running for office and other political news. We'll, of course, end the evening with our live news quiz. Now, let's meet our panelists for today. I'm going to start on the far end of the stage there with Joe Garofoli. He's the senior political writer for the San Francisco Chronicle. He's on Twitter at Joe Garofoli. So welcome, Joe. Next to him is Molly Riley, the deputy politics editor for HuffPost, and she's on Twitter at Molly Riley. (laughs) And next to me is Randy Shandabill. He's the host of This Golden State Podcast. He's a communications consultant with Shandabill Communications. How'd you get that job? (laughs) (laughs) I knew somebody. Yeah. Uh, and of course, he's the former political editor from KTVU here in the city. He's on Twitter at rshandable. So welcome. Now, there are question cards spread throughout the room. I think most of you know how this happens. So just write out some questions. They'll be collected, brought up to me, and I will ask as many as I can during our hour together. Now, let's move on to our roundtable. And we're going to give a reprieve to everyone who is tired of us always starting out with Donald Trump. <laughs> We'll get there, but not the first item. First, we're going to talk about the health care effort to pass some legislation in uh, Congress. Um, As you know, the House of Representatives passed a bill. It then went to the Senate, where it has been (coughs) derided, unvoted, disliked, unknown. Um, So let's start there, and I'll maybe start at the far end there with Joe. Um, the Senate Republicans have been unable to pass anything or even bring up for a vote uh, their bill. What, what's the situation now? So tomorrow, tomorrow there will be a vote, um, except they don't quite know what bill they're going to vote on. It's, uh, they're going to be, will they gonna, are they going to vote on the bill that the House passed, or are they going to vote on the bill that, uh, uh, like a much more um, 
onerous one, uh, or they're, they're going to or they're going to vote on something that's sort of an empty bill, and they're going to sort of build the airplane while they're in midair. So you're going to see live the healthcare bill, which has had you know no public hearings on it, uh, sort of cobbled together on the Senate floor in front of our very eyes, which is a frightening way to craft public policy. Um, so that's what we're going to have. We don't know if it has enough votes to make it or not. But as we were just talking backstage, we learned that John McCain will be there tomorrow. And then, uh, yeah, doo -doo 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 -doo, breaking news. And uh, so, uh, so that, and we, but we don't know which way he's going to vote. So there's a lot of unknowns, uh, as, uh, as our former defense secretary said, uh, unknown unknowns, I guess, or known unknowns, I guess these would be. So um, yeah, it's going to be very exciting and uh, terrifying at the same time, because we are going to be watching a sort of a Frankenstein bill of, of sorts being put together. Yeah, I, I think it's even so basic that they don't know, they haven't decided if they're voting on repeal and replace right. or just repeal. Right. It's after seven years, they've come this far. And you said we weren't going to start with Donald Trump, but <laughs> the president's been all over this all day today, um, trying to bully some Republicans into voting his way. Um, you saw the Boy, Boy Scouts yeah. speech. You should talk about that. He had a, a, a speech scheduled to Boy Scouts. 10 and 12 year old boys, take it away. Turned into a political rally for Trump. Um, he brought out several members of his cabinet who were former Boy Scouts, including Tom Price, the Health and Human Services Secretary. And he turned around and said, Tom, if we don't pass this bill, you're fired. Um, in front of, you know, 12-year-old kids, um, and then he, it was in West Virginia, so he was railing on Shelley Moore Capito to vote for it, because she's been kind of iffy based on the Medicaid cuts. Um, so yeah, he's in earlier today at the White House, he said, you know, Senate Republicans haven't done their job. So I think they're feeling the pressure to at least do this vote to m move the bill into a debate. They still don't know which bill they're going to be debating. It might be all of them. They might, McConnell might bring up votes on each version, the straight repeal, the version of the bill that he's pushing with the Cruz Amendment. Um, it's just really unclear what's happening. And so far, just Susan Collins says she's not voting on the motion to proceed with debate. She's the only one who said Only she? one. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, a Republican U.S. representative from Texas by the name of Blake Farenthold, if I'm pronouncing that name correctly, he said the Senate has failed to repeal the ACA because of, quote, some female senators from the Northeast, unquote. He went on to say, quote, if it was a guy from South Texas, I might ask him to step outside and settle this Aaron Burr style, unquote. <laughs> if I could do an imitation, I would have done that with a Texas drawl, but I, I can't. I always thought you were going to go into a song from Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> so remember when uh, Senator Mitch McConnell was considered a kind of a strategic mastermind yeah. because he was so successful when President Obama, when Barack Obama was president at unifying Republicans to always vote no. Well, we should have known this anyway, but this just goes to show getting party unity when you're trying to block something is much easier than trying to get something passed. When you're trying to block something, you don't all have to be against it for the same reason. You could, you could vote, you could, you could be, oh, I don't like part one, I don't like part two, I don't like part three. No. There's something in there for everyone not to like, so yeah, we'll vote against it. But here, He's trying to get everyone to agree on provisions they don't agree on, and look where we are. Mm -hmm. Molly, uh, some House Republicans, thank you, some uh, Republicans from the House of Representatives are pretty angry with uh, the U.S. Senate. 
Republicans because they're like, hey, look, we went out on a limb here, and if you don't pass a bill, <clears throat> you know, in 2018, the entire House is up for re-election, and uh, they're going to be kind of left hanging with, you know, no defense, no bill even to show for it. Um, what do you, do you think they can, are putting pressure on the senators, or do the senators not care what the representative? Yeah, I think they do care, and I, I also think that they're feeling a lot more heat from conservative activists over the past few days. The Koch brothers have really ramped up efforts to call Senate offices. So Senate offices are you know, used to hearing from voters who are mad about Obamacare repeal, um, and now they're hearing from people who want the repeal to happen and are angry that it looks like it might not. Um, so I think that pressure is very real, and you know, when you've made your party platform for seven years, we are gonna get rid of Obamacare the first opportunity we have, and you're stumbling to do that. Um, you know, that's a tough thing to bring back to voters and say, hey, I didn't do that. Um, the flip side of that, of course, is that if they do end up repealing it and not replacing it with something adequate, you know, upwards of 20 million, maybe even 30 million people will lose their insurance, and that's gonna include some of their voters. Um, so it's, you know, a tightrope to walk for sure. And, and so. Democrats in, 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 uh, are, are Kind of, I wouldn't want to say cheering this because that's that's too dark. But uh, in, in California, there's they're targeting seven House seats that are held by Republicans that Hillary districts that Hillary Clinton won, and some have up that to nine districts. And but but I've talked to I just started about this the other day, and it's going to be hard to flip it just on the health care vote because number one, it's a vote that's happening almost you know more than a year before people are going to the polls, and it's hard to flip a flip a seat on just one. Uh, a vote, and plus you have to have a candidate. It can't be, you know, politics. You can be this guy is terrible, uh, but who are we replacing with? Is there is there a strong candidate to replace them with? And they're still trying to, herd, you know, find some people. Good, I mean, for for Democrats, the good news is they have a few people who are raising some decent money in these congressional seats in California, so they have a, a better shot than they usually do. Mm -hmm. uh, someone from the audience asks or points out that uh, any Senate bill that does pass would still have to be reconciled with the House, right? Do you think there would be much negotiation or Paul Ryan will just want to get that bill through and they'll accept anything? Is well, the Senate, in, in other words, in the driver's seat when it comes to that reconciliation because they don't want to make something that's too different from that and then have to go back through the Senate? Or? Yeah, because the, Senate's, the Senate bill will be much more in the middle. The, the House bill is much more conservative, and I think it's, the Senate is definitely in the driver's seat in terms of because they have to bring that House bill closer to where they are um, or else it's not going anywhere. Okay. I guess it depends how chaotic this week's vote is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that, that I mean, the House may not want to have anything to do with it. I mean, you, you, this could, you know, again, as Joe said, it's like trying to build a plane in the middle of the air or trying to build a submarine in the middle of the ocean. It's precarious work. You, you've mentioned uh, John McCain coming back. Someone asks, because this came up in discussions of John McCain's recent uh, diagnosis with uh, brain cancer, why can't every American have the same health plan that every member of Congress has, unquote? Um, you were saying in the green room that uh, originally we didn't think he would get back in time for Tuesday because his doctor said he could not fly, mm -hmm. and so they were going to, what were they going to do? Rent a luxury RV to drive him, I think it's about a 34-hour drive from Arizona to D.C., so that's how much they wanted his vote, which isn't guaranteed. They're, you know, I think he said that he will vote on the motion to proceed, but whether he'd vote for one of these repeal bills is another question. It's a bit safer to say, well, I just voted to move the bill for mm -hmm. consideration rather than I voted to you know, pass a bill that has a lot of my constituents angry. Um, <laughs> uh, 
someone asked, a bit off topic, but I like it. Can I be informed if I don't have a Twitter account? Joe, I was reading your Twitter account today. <laughs> well, don't look at mine if you want to be informed. Uh, the, uh, um, can I be informed without a Twitter account? Oh, yes, you are. And in fact, I mean, you can, of course you can. But um, I think that, you know, the way, the way I always like to think of Twitter was uh, is how uh, David Carr, the, the late great uh, media critic from the New York Times, used to say, it's, it's, Twitter's like a rolling river, you know, ongoing stream. And, you know, you don't want to dive in because you might get carried along with it. But just every once in a while, dip a ladle in and have a cup <laughs> and then take it, it, absorb it like that. And that's how I like to try and think of Twitter. Very good. So former Republican Senator David Durnberger of Minnesota wrote uh, an op-ed, I believe it was in today's uh, USA Today, uh, in which he urged his party senators not to support the GOP plan. Uh, he said, of course, they don't know what's in it. They don't even know what amendments might come up. They don't know what the effects of the bill could be on you know, their voters, uh, what the effects could be on their home state's budgets. And he said, quote, perhaps most important, without even knowing which bill you are being asked to vote on, what the defining amendments will be, and how much time you will have when being pressed for a final vote you'll be stuck with, period, forever, period. I mean, he is thinking about the, this could be a defining vote. I mean, do you think, you said people don't vote on, you know, that might not be one issue that would swing a lot of districts, but, um, I mean, a lot of people have argued that that was the 2010 Tea Party thing. They took health care and that was their vote. You don't think that's the case now? I, I think that in, in this case, um, it would not be, <clears throat> you, they would not, you'd not, first of all, you wouldn't feel the, the effects of it right away. Mm. Um, I think that that was um, the, when the health care, when the Tea Party ran against Obama, there was uh, several things along with that. There was the bailout. There was uh, the health bill. There was um, Obama himself. Let's face it. You know, that's, there's also the racial uh, aspects of that too. So I think there's uh, several things going on here. So here, the Republic, the Democrats, would be running against the health bill, and the, without the other things. Now the other well, factors may play along into it, but Trump, Trump is the new Trump Obama too. in that regard. He'll he'll, he'll be connected to it. That's you true. Know. Yeah. So I. I, I I think Joe's probably right, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss it as out of hand. A lot could happen in a year and a half, including them still being debating this. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's been seven years. What makes you so sure they won't That's true. They'll wrap it up? Might not be dead now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who knows? We'll be back with more here on John Zipper of Commonwealth Club right after this. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. And now back to the Michelle Meow Show. Someone in the audience asks, uh, how do you think 
this, this legislative year for the Republicans in Congress, potentially for President Trump, might have been different if instead of trying to tackle health care so early on, they had done, say, the infrastructure bill that you know, they apparently still want to get to, but they're having issues of how do we pay for it, how do we get these other bills out of the way so we can get big tax cuts. Do you think uh, that they could have started with that? Or, and do you think it would have changed things dramatically? You know, that was a thing they probably could have peeled off some Democrats, don't you think? Well, politically, they felt they had to start with the health care because they had promised, promised it for so long. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing that it would have been easier to proceed with uh, infrastructure because the Democrats would have looked like obstructionists if they didn't go along, at least to some degree. Yeah. I think... I don't think uh, most independents are blaming Democrats for this current mess in healthcare. Their position was well known before it even got here. Infrastructure is a different thing. Everyone wants a better infrastructure. Mm -hmm. right. So um, maybe they would have gotten farther. And, and there's, uh, that's, we also have to talk about the fact that the healthcare system is messed up, you know, still. I mean, just a couple of stats. The, uh, it, there's now 45 counties in the country where there's no carriers to choose from, from Obamacare. And there's uh, uh, and 3 million people in uh, 1,388 counties have just one insurer available to them. So they, you know, there's not a lot of <laughs> price competition there. Uh, so, I mean, it's messed up. And they're, so maybe if they're debating this in a year, it, there will be Democrats involved in trying to make this system better. Because they're certainly, you know, Obamacare is certainly far from perfect. Uh, and uh, so there's, there's a lot of room for people to work together. Uh, Out of desperation, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Didn't uh, Chuck Schumer, who's the leader of the Democrats in the U.S. Senate, say that health care was the issue they were going to be running on? That it wasn't going to be, in other words, Russia. It was going to be... Yeah, and answering for their you know, shortcomings in 2016. And, yeah. um, you know, he put it, their whole new thing is bold economic policies. Um, and one of them that they said that is on the table is single-payer health care. That's something that they'll be looking at, um, which... Got pretty people pretty excited because Chuck Schumer usually doesn't talk about single payer. Um, but yeah, you know, they I think they're optimistic that if this bill bill does fail, that they'll have an opportunity to work together on something that will you know stabilize the markets, fix some of those problems with Obamacare. Uh, because if this Republican bill fails, it's pretty much a you know a sign that what the approach that they're taking isn't going to work. Okay. Well, we delayed as long as we could. <laughs> Next topic is our president, Donald J. Trump. Oh, is, that, is that long enough, you think? All right. Okay. <laughs> um, don't know how many times I'll be able to do that in the next four years. But, uh, um, so in Donald Trump's recent and famous New York Times interview, he criticized his attorney general, Jeff Sessions, for recusing himself over the Russia matters, plural. When the improbably named Anthony Scaramucci became White House Communications Director, the expectation from some was that he would, between him and Donald Trump's recently reconfigured legal team, you know, full of more Washington-savvy lawyers, that they would get a clamp down on, on the tweeting. Has not happened, has it? <laughs> I mean, uh, just this morning, of course, uh, Trump tweeted criticism more of uh, Jeff Sessions, calling him, quote, beleaguered, unquote, and asking why he wasn't investigating Hillary Clinton. So, Molly, this is not a change in the White House. That no, and I think 
Scaramucci is going to continue to let him, you know, it's the let Trump be Trump strategy. Um, you know, I think he has won favor with the president by praising him. Um, just in that first White House briefing appearance on Friday, he said four or five times that he loves Trump, that he, you know, thinks Trump is the greatest communicator, <laughs> that, you know, they don't really need a press secretary because Trump is his own best press secretary. Um, so I think he's just going to let Trump run wild. Um, and he went on, Scaramucci was on all the Sunday shows yesterday and was you know pretty much defending the Trump line of thinking at every turn, um, you know saying you know, quest calling into question whether Russia meddled in the election despite the fact that the intelligence agencies have said pretty assuredly that that did happen, um, you know saying that pardoning isn't on the table when Trump was tweeting about pardoning, um, you know all of the above. So I don't think you know I think it's a aesthetic change from Spicer in a lot of ways, um, <laughs> but. I think that's what Trump wanted. He wanted someone kind of slick and who's good on TV and, you know, who can kind of joust with these reporters a little bit better. Uh, but in terms of changing the message and the strategy, I don't think that's going to really it's, it's been eight and a half months since the election. Can you imagine? And I think he mentioned Hillary Clinton four times over the weekend and today in tweets. Can you imagine eight and a half months after the election, Barack Obama still haranguing about John McCain or Mitt Romney no, or George W. Bush complaining about Al Gore or, you know, you could go on back. It's just, it, it, I, I guess he's the definition of a, a sore winner. Um, <laughs> no, I, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Leave it alone. Well, that popular vote win yeah. from Hillary is killing yeah. him. It's, yeah. He can't stand it. Is uh, tweeting about Hillary is his sixth most popular Twitter topic, wow. uh, right oh. behind Comey and Barack Obama. Number one, of course, is fake news. Um, and uh, someone said to me today, it snarked, uh, do you think the president actually used the word beleaguered or was that sort of ghostwritten for him? It <laughs> <laughs> was a surprising choice. That's not a, that's not yeah. a Trump word, beleaguered. <laughs> He's so beleaguered. <laughs> Doesn't sound right. Ineffably beleaguered. Um, <laughs> So uh, after Donald Trump uh, criticized him a few days ago, Jeff Sessions apparently felt the need to say to the press, I'm not going to resign. I'm here until, you know, whenever. Um, someone from the audience just asked straight out, why doesn't Jeff Sessions resign? I mean, this, is, this cannot be a fun job for him. Um, I guess I would ask, why should he resign? Um, he... he kind of loses either way, and I guess he shows his independence and strength by staying on. Um, I don't know Jeff Sessions, I don't know much about him, but just, I, I just keep getting back to how, how poor a strategy it is for Donald Trump to trash this guy. He was his first main, well, one of his two first mainstream uh, supporters, I think the first was Chris Christie, and then days later it was Jeff Sessions. He was the first senator to support him. He's been with him all this time, um, and he's his only ally in the Justice Department. He's already complained about everyone else in the Justice Department, <coughs> and if anything, Jeff Sessions actually did him a favor by recusing himself, because if he didn't recuse himself, there would have been more questions about conflict of interest, and this would still be going on. Uh, even Rudy Giuliani today was stopped in an airport because some, they had heard rumors that uh, Trump was going to put him in Sessions' place, and Giuliani said, no, Sessions did the right thing. Of course he should have recused himself. It's the right thing to do. Um, and, and, and again... He already has trouble with his Republicans in the Senate, and 
from what I hear, Sessions is still relatively popular amongst his yeah, GOP among colleagues. Republicans, yeah. yeah, less um, so among Kamala Harris, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I, I just don't get it. It's just, it just seems self-destructive to me on the president's part. I, I want to stick with Randy. Randy, you're a master of political communication. Okay, uh, allegedly. <laughs> well. <laughs> Come on, man, plug. This is got the <laughs> Shandable communications. Um, how would you rate Scaramucci's job performance so far? And what would you, what should he be doing over the next few weeks or months? I mean. Well, in terms of style, I, w I would give him high marks because he's doing what the president wants and mm -hmm. he's trying to please basically an audience of one. Um, in terms of what he's actually saying, he's already contradicted himself a few times, but that's kind of natural because the president's contradicting himself. Um, but again, it was inevitable that Sean Spicer was gonna go down. I mean, the whole idea that you don't have your press briefings on camera or even half the time on mic, what is that saying? It's either saying that the president doesn't have faith in his um, you know, White House spokesperson, or that they don't want there to be news coverage that day because if you know anything about television, it's harder to cover, story, uh, cover a story if you can't get pictures. So when there's a press briefing on camera, the cable news networks just stay with it. And whatever happens, if there's contentiousness back and forth, it's broadcast and people see it. If it's not on camera, some of the networks decide to carry something else because just a blank slate gets pretty boring. Mm -hmm. So today, Scaramucci said they're gonna be back on camera. Uh, I think he's doing what Trump wants him to do. Um, so in that regard, in terms of pleasing his boss, I would say he's doing a good job. In terms of how he's connecting with uh, you know, the average viewer, I don't know. And uh, I think Go. I heard one of the New York Times reporters uh, who covers him every day said um, the reason he took him off camera was that that audience of one was not pleased. He didn't, you know, because the, the Spicer would go out there and say something and Trump would chew his head off for, you know, uh, botching it. Um, and so he, that's one reason why he took it off, so he couldn't see him on TV, which is really... Brutal. Bad. <laughs> I mean, that's just bad yeah. for the Republic. Um, so uh, that was... That's that's one thing, and I I don't um, I think this is something that uh, I think you know it's it's fun for us to to uh, talk about, but I don't, I don't know how much everyday people care about it. The good news for Scaramucci is that day one he comes in with a nickname, and that always helps. The Mooch. Uh, I, I I did tweet out uh, I, you know I asked uh, and I, as Bay Area residents here we would we would get this uh, you know I tweeted at Steve Mariucci whose nickname was Mooch former 49ers head coach, NFL network guy. And he said, there's only one mooch. He tweeted back, let's let America vote on it. Who's, who's, <laughs> who's the real mooch? <laughs> and and, and I, uh, Paul Begala, the former Clinton advisor, I heard him say, you know, we're getting all caught up in the Sean Spicer, Scaramucci thing. It's like, stop paying attention to the monkeys. Pay attention to the organ grinder and oh, Trump is good. the grinder, <laughs> and uh, you know Scaramucci, Sean Spicer, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is is they're the quote unquote monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty fun on Friday when everyone was digging up Scaramucci's old tweets. Um, he tweeted a lot of stuff like, <laughs> "I'm pro gun control," and then a lot of complaints about Trump, and then some sillier things like some like dance like no one is watching quoted to Mark Twain, which. 
Mark Twain never said that, and it's, it was it was a fun. But, but fun then day. he said, "I'm going to take down all my old oh, tweets." Yeah. Out of transparency. Out of transparency. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I, I heard on, also on Friday a lot of Republicans paying tribute to Trump for having you know the courage and the strength to appoint people to powerful positions who once opposed him. Well. Who would he? Who, who else would he nominate? For, I mean, everyone at one time or another yeah. was against Trump early on. And right. No one supported him, right. so of course he's got to reach out to former yeah. opponents. Hillary might get a job there. <laughs> yeah, really, <laughs> really. Uh, Molly, so we've been hearing uh, that special counsel Robert Mueller has his investigation into the Russia matter is also now encompassing the Trump business empire. Mm -hmm. um, more drum beats or just, I mean, I, I think some folks are looking at, and, at that and saying, well, of course, it would naturally have to get into that, but. Uh. Right, and I think, you know, it was interesting how it kind of played out in the press last week with Trump specifically said in that New York Times interview, if Mueller goes after my business interests that aren't related to Russia, like, you know, he better not do that, that's crossing the line, and then the next day it leaked that he, in fact, is doing that. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think it's, you know, necessarily, um, you know, means anything, but where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's a lot of smoke here. Um, so we'll, I will just have to see, but you know, I think um, it's gonna be interesting going forward. And there is a lot that the Trump business is so tied up in Russian funds that it's hard to separate the two. So I think to look at one part of the business, you're gonna have to look at everything there, um, especially with regards to you know where the Russian funding came from, because they pretty much brought him out of debt or helped him with all of that back in the 90s, so. And, and he's on record inclined. at one point bragging about the number of Russians mm -hmm. putting money into his properties. Yeah. Um, Bill Clinton, y'all remember him? He had some legal problems as president. Did he know he could pardon himself? Because <laughs> apparently that, <laughs> well, this was, you, you, you saw these stories, you know, Donald Trump has been, actually it's, un. He either has been talking about pardoning, or if you listen to Scaramucci, no, he hasn't. But yes, I had a conversation with him about pardons. Joe, tell us what's going on with this whole Yeah, well, that, that's exactly it. He said, well, the, it was discussed, you know, like throwing around the office. Hey, what if I could pardon myself? And I think that's, that's the way I got it. Okay. Uh, the president's lawyer, uh, Jay Sokolow, said, uh, no, there's, we're not seriously considering it. It's off the table. But like, let's take a step back here. If the president can pardon himself, country's over you know yeah. uh it's it's that we go into monarchy time or you know dictator time i guess you know because the president said well i guess i'll molly i'm gonna shoot you but i'll just that's all, i'll just pardon myself afterwards yeah um, that's incredibly scary time and that's when we hope he gets some pushback from his own party uh if that were actually to become a reality because that's really cuts to the heart of the whole ball game yeah think about this we've right. gone from it's fake news, it's a hoax, it's a witch hunt, um, it's talking about the meeting that Donald Jr. had, uh, anyone would have taken that meeting. Uh, it, you know, it's just more fake news to, do I, have, do I have the authority to pardon people? Can I pardon <laughs> myself? I mean, that's, that's an unusual trend line. <laughs> and a very fast one. <laughs> a very fast trend. <laughs> Richard Nixon's ghost is just like, why didn't I think of that? And, 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 and if he can pardon himself, that, that, that wouldn't take out impeachment. That would just be 
criminal law and mm -hmm. impeachment's right. a, a so political exercise. So yeah. clearly, if it got to the point that he were to pardon himself, I would imagine impeachment would follow rapidly, wouldn't you think? I God, I'd hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. it doesn't, then yeah. we're we're all yeah. we're all going to Vancouver. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> and from what I've read too, the legal experts are still kind of torn on if that actually would be constitutional for him to pardon himself because it isn't specific uh, the way it's written. But the political ramifications, of course, are just would be so immediate. It would, it's hard to imagine a situation uh, where anyone. Would speaking do it. of Bill Clinton and his legal problems when he was president. Uh, a lot's been made, and I'm actually going to say something in defense of President Trump, believe it or not. This is great, because I've had trouble finding panelists <laughs> who will. So it, it's going to be very brief. That's fine. Hil even Hillary thought of some um, things. No, but, but he's been getting a lot of flack because uh, uh, apparently his team has been looking into alleged conflicts of interest on the Robert Mueller staff. Well, that's exactly what the Bill Clinton White House did during Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. Uh, they had, they had uh, their rapid response team, the so-called masters of disaster, yes. that were full-time trying to flip the argument to not be about Bill Clinton, but to be about uh, that vast right-wing conspiracy led by Kenneth Starr, and it was successful. So for the Trump White House to be doing the same, I'm not really defending him. All I'm saying is it's not necessarily evil. It's, uh, it's been done before. So the positive thing he says about Donald Trump is he's not necessarily evil. Yeah, well, let me qualify that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, someone from the audience asks, uh, don't you have to be convicted of a crime to be pardoned? Or can you pardon for someone, for example, and, for- uh, From what I understand, you can, pardon, you can pardon people in advance. Uh, yeah, because yeah. Nixon was pardoned. Blanket pardon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right, he wasn't convicted of yeah. his pardon. Yeah. Um, yeah, because otherwise the president could come in and just on day one say, I pardon everyone who works for me for anything they might do, might have done, might be thinking of doing. Uh, someone else in the audience says, quote, the ship of state is the only vessel that, links, that leaks from the top, unquote. So. Wow. <laughs> well, that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so w this was a little news item that I didn't think got much attention and, and it really interested me. Um, what should we think about the news that President Trump's lawyer asked the Office of Government Ethics if the president could submit his financial disclosure forms without signing them, unquote. Hmm. Sounds like a dude looking for a loophole, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, uh, you know, that's... Not necessarily evil. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, talking about what could happen if, uh, you know, he were to get into the whole self-pardoning business, someone asks, in a constitutional crisis, is the court, I, I, don't, I assume the Supreme Court, strong enough to defend democracy against authoritarian populism? Wow. I hope so. I don't, I don't know the answer to that, though. Um, I don't know if you've been following the news from Poland lately. Uh, yeah, authoritarian populism can get pretty far. Um, okay, so actually going back to our previous topic, someone says, could you please stop calling the Affordable Care Act Obamacare? It is a pejorative designed by the Republicans. Obama embraced uh, it. He embraced yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, he said Obama, it's okay to say it. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Initially, that was the case, that it was a pejorative, but Democrats and the president himself eventually adopted it and used it themselves. It's just like Yankees. Mm -hmm. um, 
Okay, well, let's move on to state politics. Um, state Republicans have been trying to use the increase in gas taxes, which is you being used to fund major infrastructure projects. Uh, they're trying to use that to go after, of course, state Democrats who voted for it, as well as a few Republicans who voted for it. Meanwhile, state uh, Democrats are putting a lot of trust in health care and perhaps anti-Trumpism to uh, try to flip some seats and perhaps uh, even gain a bigger advantage in, in Sacramento. Um, start with you, Joe. Uh, let's start with the Republicans. How are they doing in this state? They're, they're actually kind of going through some internal turmoil. Yes. Well, the, I mean, Republicans in the state, as we know, are very, uh, uh, they're a very borderline party at this point. They have maybe 24% of the state is registered Republican. Republicans have no statewide constitutional officers. They have, uh, they're in the super minority in the state legislature. And they may not even, I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. They have, they're running candidates who are not well known for um, governor at this point next year. So they're, they're, not, they're not in a good way. Um, so with this gas, or with the, um, uh, well, with the gas tax, they feel that they have an opening because that would raise uh, the gas, the amount of gas taxes, uh, 85 cents by 2031. And it's 58% of registered voters surveyed don't like it. Like, who, who the hell likes taxes? It's, you know, it's an obvious one. Um, but yet it would go to, to, um, uh, to fixing roads and such. Um, so, but, uh, and then between that and then the, um, uh, we had eight Republicans vote to support Governor Brown on extending the, his, um, his climate change legislation uh, another several years. And those Republicans, particularly the Assembly Leader Chad Mays, are, are seen as, are as traitors, as, as Benedict Arnold's, as, as, as people are calling them. And shortly after it came out that the uh, Mays and, and others voted for him, there was um, a blog post saying that uh, Mays had a, an affair with um, a former, uh, I guess the, the number two person in the assembly, Kristen Olson, who's now uh, an official in Stanislaus County. And uh, they're both getting divorces, and the, you know, basically uh, they, you know, they're not talking about it publicly. He wants to know if state <laughs> money was used to facilitate this affair. So basically it's a really, <laughs> very clever way to roll a grenade into that uh, tent, uh, political grenade. And, um, uh, and so Mays is really facing a, uh, a lot of pushback from Republicans and, and a lot of people calling for him to uh, step down from the leadership, including Harmeet Dillon, who is a uh, San Francisco attorney, uh, head of the Republican Club Party, many yeah. times, and, and uh, she is uh, on the National Committee of the Republican Party. So, and she's a big voice in, in the state party, former uh, number two in the state party. Um, so that, that they are turning against each other, and, they, and that's really difficult when you're in the super minority, when you're turning against each other. Uh, so it's a, it's a bad way. And it, the, the hypocrisy of it all is, 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 is striking. I mean, how long have we heard people complain? Republicans complain about it, Democrats complain about it, voters complain about it, how bitterly partisan politics, you know, are, how people just, you know, vote blindly on party line and, the, you know, they'll trash the opponent no matter what. And then on the rare time that someone decides to cross over, and a few Democrats voted against Jerry right, Brown. Right. And well, I mean, there was, yeah. there was uh, bipartisanship both ways on this. As soon as someone crosses and he's a party leader, well then, well, then you go out and you bring out the knives and try to primary him or embarrass him or bring out trash about, you know, an affair he allegedly had. 
It, it just, you can't have it both ways. You can't complain about blind partisanship and then when someone decides to cross over, trash them for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think when someone's well known at, like for example, Feinstein crosses party lines and on occasion votes yeah. Republican, John McCain on occasion votes Democrat and uh, Susan Collins and so forth. I think when you're that well known in your state, you kind of get away with it. They know you. They've they've known you for a long time. They know that you're you're doing that because they assume that's what you believe. They don't necessarily agree with you all the time, but they follow you. But when you're at the level of assembly person or state senator, most people don't know those people very well. And they're more susceptible to this kind of stuff. If, you know, a lot of people vote state assembly on mailers, the junk mailers they get in the mail, because they don't know anything about it. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Chad Mays is really hammered on mailers and other things. And they don't, you know, and and, and because of term limits, you don't get to know somebody. There's no more Willie Browns who've been in office for 10 million years. Um, so, you know, this guy doesn't build up that level of trust because he hasn't been there that long. Uh, so, and he's actually been a Republican, I recall him about him a couple months ago, who's really spoken out about poverty issues in a way that other Republicans haven't. And, and, and I talked to people in the, in the, in the, in the state who, who are leading on poverty issues. They say, no, it's legit. It's not just doing it for, for a show. He really cares about these issues. So it's, so it's, it's not just this issue he's come you know, across the aisle on. And the message that sends is like, well, as you say, Randy, it's like, why, why should I do this? I'm going to get pounded on it. People are going to roll it out, all the, you know, the, the oppo research on me. Um, sticking on the environmental uh, line, Joe, you were at our Al Gore program earlier yes. today. Um, and I heard this from a number of folks that they were kind of surprised he withheld his fire, if you will, on, on Donald Trump. He didn't really just go after him. My question was kind of, do you think he's trying to keep a back, or not a back channel, because he's done it openly, but keep a channel open with the Trump administration on environmental issues um, and, you know, not burn whatever bridges might exist there between him? And yeah, and he, and, and I was, I was actually surprised by that. I, that, uh, I thought I was going to come in just, and just rip him and, uh, for not, um, for pulling out of the Paris peace accord, uh, Paris uh, uh, climate change accords. And, but he said he's been trying to, um, uh, he's talked to him a couple times once uh, when he was, uh, he went to Trump Tower, he talked to, uh, talked to the president-elect, he talked to Ivanka, and he said, well, like, you know, it's, it seemed fairly positive. Then he went and talked to him in the White House, and he's like, yeah, I can, it, I, you know, I felt like there was a chance. And, um, but it didn't happen, and he didn't, he didn't rip him. In fact, he said, you know, I've seen um, a lot of uh, positive things since, uh, and people kind of stepping into the void that Trump has left by pulling out of the Paris Peace Accords. And so it was definitely, I, and you pointed out to me, I was like, oh, Jesus, I thought that would be a free shot, but that's probably politically smart for him to, to, um, to not, not step on him. Mm-hmm. He was, in fact, asked a, a question to kind of like, you know, take out political considerations, answer blah, blah, blah on something. And, and he said, well, it's really hard not to, because as a politician, you actually are trying to think, okay, what are all the ways this will be interpreted? You know, what, whose feet will I step on that I don't want to step on? Um, okay, well, one last uh, environmental-related question. Someone writes, California recently uh, extended or passed the cap-and-trade legislation, AB, I think, 398. Does that sound right? Um, and this person says, I received alerts from environmental organizations to support it and from environmental organizations to oppose it. So... 
do any of you have any thoughts on this bill? Uh, this was kind of racked up as you know another victory for uh, Governor Brown. Um, any thoughts? I don't know the specifics on the group yeah, opposing it. It cap and trade is almost like the 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 gas tax in the what? sense that it's got a lot of folks, Republicans, interestingly, because cap and trade used to be a Republican issue, but who it, it's a solid, you know, it's a, what's the line? It's a line in the sand. They're not, you know, any Republican who supports it now has, has you know, gone loose and wet and they're on the wrong side. I, 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 I think there are some environmentalists who are disappointed that there's a provision in there. They were hoping for it to mandate uh, new, new redos of existing uh, facilities, you know, uh, plants in California, and I don't think it addresses that. It, it does the cap and trade on emissions, but it doesn't get into Grand the plants Day, themselves. Yeah. And I think there are some environmentalists who feel it doesn't go far enough, and that they worry that yes, this is a step, a positive step, but that since it's voted in, there won't be a push to go farther because this is established, then it'll kind of end there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, that's, I, that's how he got, that's how uh, the governor got the Republican votes is that he, in the, the California Chamber of Commerce is the, one of the big dogs in, in Sacramento and they kind of stayed in the sidelines on this one uh, because he, uh, Governor Brown said, uh, you know, hey, it could be worse. I, either we take this deal on the table or we're gonna, we're gonna bring down even harder regulations. The Republicans like Mays and such said, well, okay, we'll, we'll take that deal because they can, uh, Democrats can. And so he, uh, that's how he kind of used his leverage on this, mm -hmm. on this one. Um, and that's why you're getting uh, the environmentalists were sending you things saying, no, it, it, we, we've got this super majority, swing the hammer, let's do it. But um, he couldn't have, uh, th there are too many moderate Democrats in Sacramento now uh, who, would, who would not go with that bill, would not go with the environmental side of things. So they had to get some Republican votes, and to get the Republican votes, they had to be a little more business friendly, and that's what the—that's why you're getting the mixed messages. That's an interesting point. That's Very good. Whoever question, that's a good question. Uh, how many people here have ever run for a political office? All right. Yeah. Well, I've I've, I've talked to, uh, to audience members who've been, served on local boards, you know, uh, other offices. Um, now, I know some attendees who have done that. Well, we're also getting to the point where there are people we never know, but we see on TV all the time, who want to run for office. So for everyone who said week to week just doesn't spend enough time talking about celebrity news, this is your day. <laughs> um, are there well, really a lot of people we're saying getting that? To the, I find that hard to believe. We're, we're getting, getting to the important stuff last. Celebrities. <laughs> well, let's start with you then, Randy. So Caitlyn Jenner, Kid Rock, even Dwayne The Rock Johnson, they've all talked about running for office, either the Senate or the presidency. Um, what do you think about this? Well, knowing that you were going to ask this question mm -hmm. and being prepared, like most everyone else, to dismiss it as kind of silly, I decided to kind of do a little research and before we all dismiss Kid Rock and Caitlyn Jenner and Dwayne The Rock, uh, what's his last name? Johnson. 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 As a joke, before you all laugh this off, let me throw out some names at you. Ronald Reagan, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sonny Bono, Jesse Ventura, Al Franken, Donald Trump, Manny Pacquiao, the former boxer is now a senator in the Philippines, Glinda Jackson, uh, I don't know if many remember a very successful Shakespearean actress in Britain, became a member of parliament. Uh, the old cowboy star, Alan Autry, was mayor of Fresno, Clint Eastwood, mayor of Carmel. Tennessee Senator Fred Thompson ran for president. 
New Jersey Senator Bill Bradley, a former New York Nick, NFL quarterback uh, Jack Kemp, vice presidential candidate, longtime uh, wide receiver Steve Largent, was a congressman from Oklahoma, former Sacramento mayor Kevin Johnson, was an NBA uh, player, yeah. and uh, astronaut John Glenn became a senator. All of those people got elected to office having little or, or zero experience ahead of time. So it sounds silly. It sounds like why even bring it up? But hey, Donald Trump is president. Yeah. Well, that was so, kind of, yeah. go ahead, Joe. I mean, that, that was kind so of my I, I was the dubious person in, in this <laughs> list, because, and that's probably like, I just don't want these people to run for office, because I, because we've, I, I, uh, we've seen what someone who is going into a job as a total rookie does, and there's, in fact, the guy who's running, one of the guys who's running for governor the other day, um, uh, uh, Republican guy, John Cox, we had him in for a, a podcast, and I was like, why do, you, why do you run for governor? Why don't you just run for assembly? From, well, why? No, I've been a CEO. I built a $200 million business. I want to run for the top job. I want to get stuff done. But why? Why not? Why not? Because I don't have the time to, to waste and, you know, to work my way up the ladder. Why not? You know, Steve Poisoner was a, um, uh, you know, he's not a celebrity, but he was a multimillionaire, a wealthy guy. And he ran for, you know, state assembly, didn't win, but then he went to insurance commissioner. Um, so I, I just, it, it, I'm having trouble with people who like jump into the top thing, like Caitlyn Jenner. She's going to run for Senate, or she, she talks about running for Senate. She really doesn't express an, an opinion on anything. And so it's, and I just see it as a, as a shameless, uh, crass ploy to, to run for something, to just generate more publicity for yourself and whatever other side businesses you have. Mm -hmm. well, well, but that well, list is well, amazing, I'm, though. I'm, I'm guessing, being here in the Bay Area, that a lot of people think Al Franken's doing a good job. Yes, no, I, I agree so, with you. And I was so, dubious about him, too. I, I'm, I, and I was dubious about Trump, and I was like, you know, a thousand percent wrong on that. But So I, I, I'm really torn on this, because I, I, I'm dubious, but, you know, I, I laughed at Trump. I, I sat on this very stage like a year and a half ago, and I said, well, he's going to drop out as soon as he has to release his taxes. We're still waiting on that. <laughs> so, you know, it's wrong, 1,000% yeah. wrong on that, yeah. but I don't know. But I think that is I'll the attitude right now that, you know, if Trump can get elected, who can't? Yeah. Um, and so that's why, you know, The Rock seems like a reasonable opponent to Trump in 2020. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, what's happening with Trump right now, we're kind of seeing what actually happens when you have a celebrity as your president. And I think a lot of people are not super thrilled with how it's going. Um, you know, we're seeing what happens when you have a president who doesn't understand Senate procedure, who doesn't understand legislation, um, who doesn't know how to get a bill through Congress. And I think people, you know, that may be the reaction in a couple years is that we do want someone who has that sort of insider experience. Um, I do think that the idea of like people on the fringes of politics, you know, not the like entrenched Hillary Clinton style politician, that seems to me like that could be something that is still rejected in the future. But rather than celebrities, maybe it'd be like, you know, new senators like Kamala Harris or someone like Elizabeth Warren who didn't come from a political background but was yeah. a professor for a long time. Um, you know, that seems to me sort of celebrity in a different way, if that makes any sense. Uh, some have said, Carla Maranucci's made this argument here that she's hearing, you know, people say, 
only Oprah could unite the Democrats again and, <laughs> and get in there. Um, oh, I think if the minute Oprah, people started saying mean stuff about her, which they've never really done before publicly, she would, I mean, I don't think yeah. she, would, she would react well to that. I mean, everyone loves Oprah. What happens when people, you know, you say you jump out there and you jump in the ring and then people start saying you're terrible. Well, then I, I think that I don't, I would wonder how she would react to that. And what does she have to gain from running? What does she yeah, have to gain? Yeah. She's Oprah. She's yeah. like more powerful Blood. than anyone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay, very good. Let's uh, get a few more questions here from the audience before we move on to our news quiz. Someone asks, could you explain why the media did not look into uh, Trump's finances before the election? What could they have done that they didn't? I mean, obviously, if he well, doesn't release it. I think they did. Um, I, I don't think maybe they did as uh, successful a job as they had hoped to do, but there were lots of stories, particularly in the New York Times and Washington Post, on his finances and his past finances and, and his lawsuits and, mm -hmm. and his bankruptcies. and Charities and um, all that. Yeah. yeah, no, I think there were lots yeah. of stories on that. Yeah. Who do you think will be the next member of the Trump administration to quit or be pushed out? <laughs> Each of you. It's Ooh, Molly first. Let's see. Maybe Rex Tillerson. He seems pretty unhappy. We heard about him yeah. getting into yeah. shouting matches with mm -hmm. a couple other Trump folks, Trump administration leaders. Mm -hmm. You know who I think's in for Go. the whole time? Ben Carson. Uh, I think he's in for, for the whole time, and yeah. I think Trump fires him, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, think, I think the easy answer is Jeff Sessions, because that's got to come to a head one way or the other. He's, if, again, I... I Stop me if I mention this, but uh, the president was asked ab about uh, Jeff Sessions at uh, a health care event today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what are you going to do about Jeff Sessions? Should he be fired? And he kind of sarcastically rolled his eyes. It was at best uh, a mean look. So it's going to come to a head one way or the other, whether he's going to be forced out or quit. I don't know, but. I think he has to be the next one out. I was reading something about Steve Bannon, I think in New York Magazine, and they were saying when he was, you know, on the outs, when Donald Trump was, you know, referring to him as just someone who works for me, you know, um, he, he realized, you know what, my day will come back, and it soon did when Jared Kushner, you know, one of his many things he forgot to mention in his uh, tax forms or something, um, you know, is it possible Jeff Sessions is, can think the same way and say, you know what? Sooner or later, he'll need me again. I'll be back up. I'll be golden again when, you know, Rex Tillerson's in the doghouse or something. Yeah, it's just like, a, you know, if you have a boss who yells at you a lot, if you have anyone ever have a boss who yells a lot, you know, the boss will yell at you one day and then you're like, oh, then they look at the next guy down the road and they start yelling, He's, the boss starts yelling at him. So I think that's the, the, the gotta be the mental outlook you have even though it is like the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, that's the only thing I can think of. And, and we were talking back, you know, before we came out here uh, about, I, I, I'm like, who else would, who would want to jump into that, especially in the Senate? Who would want to do this? But you guys were saying, well, a lot of people would want to do this. Well, again, we, we were asking the question about Scaramucci. He's, you know, wealthy. He doesn't need it. Uh, he's supported Democrats in the past. Why would he do this? Um, so he could walk into a restaurant and be recognized. I mean, people are hungry for power. People like that. Um, people like being recognized. People like being talked about. 
and if it doesn't work out, he's still okay. I, I, don't, I don't know. Why would someone... I, I, I don't think Scaramucci is, is, is a true Trump believer. I think he's a true poser, like Trump himself. Yeah. Um, Very good on that note. Um, <laughs> did you see this story? Uh, why did Donald Trump call Adam Schiff a sleazebag, unquote? On he Twitter, thought, yes, he did. Yeah. Do you, what was he taking him to task for? Because uh, he goes, uh, Schiff's spending all his time being on TV uh, trying to, to poke at uh, Trump. And, and, uh, but when Schiff does it, I mean, he's very methodical. He's a former federal prosecutor. And, and still, I think, has given one of the best explanations of how you, you go from point A to Z on the, on the Russia investigation. He's been, he's been you know, kind of... Um, very methodical in the ways he's done it. But he's, of course, he's a partisan and he says stuff, but it's, it's rooted in fact uh, for the most part, or at least when, provable fact. Yeah, when he was on uh, the Bill Maher show a month or two ago, and Bill Maher was trying to get him to kind of be more incendiary in his comments, and it was just clear Adam Schiff is no. not that person. No. He was not going to you know, give you some really quotable thing. Yeah. Um, so. well, well, from the Republican perspective, uh, Schiff would be one of the first to jump in the U.S. Senate race if Dianne Feinstein decides not to. I think so. so. So all the airtime, I suppose someone could accuse him of selfish motives. Okay. This is the first week-to-week -week in probably five months that no one has sent forward a question card saying, is Dianne Feinstein running for re-election? <laughs> So I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> we, we were talking about it in the back. You think so? I have no reason to believe otherwise. Um, I haven't heard anything to suggest that she won't, so I assume she will, but I don't have any inside information that she will. Um, I think she feels secure enough in herself that she wouldn't mind uh, miffing people if she decided to pull out late. In other words, yeah. there, there are a lot of people I know, for example, Gavin Newsom has expressed to me in person, why doesn't she decide already? It's, you know, it's, it, it's not fair to people who might run. Um, of course, he's hoping that she would step down so that some of his, <laughs> some of his, competitors, some of his competitors running for governor would decide to switch, <laughs> to switch races. Um, but I don't think she worries about that. I think she feels she's paid her dues and she's entitled to do what she wants, and if her health allows her to, my guess is she will probably run. Molly, do you Yeah, agree? it seems like that. I mean, there are a ton of people waiting in the wings for her yeah. to get out of the race. You know, it's just, there's this long, long roster of California Democrats who are rising stars, but nowhere really to rise to until she moves or someone else does. But yeah, it doesn't seem, I mean, I, I kind of think she would have said by now if she was sure she was out, so it seems like she's in. Yeah, and all I've heard is she remains extremely engaged, and, you know, she is uh, very well experienced in, in uh, you know, in, in, the, in her work in the Judiciary Committee and such. So she's, she is an asset at that level. Um, and, uh, but don't be surprised if she does run that she would um, step down a couple years into her term, you know, if for health reasons or her family health reasons, what you don't know. Um, and then she gets to, you know, play, was that, uh, not kingmaker, queenmaker maybe, mm -hmm. who knows. Uh, and uh, choose her successor because if you know if she, if she does that, then she could say, "Bing, mm -hmm. Eric Garcetti, Mayor of Los Angeles, <laughs> you are the next U.S. Senator from California, or okay. whoever it is." 
Well, we'll ask our panel the next time, too. Thanks to our great panel today, Randy Shandabill, Molly Riley, and Joe Garofoli. Thanks to all of you for coming out today and everyone watching and listening online. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Week to Week from the Commonwealth Club, airing on the Michelle Miao Show on the Progressive Voices Network. I'm John Zipperer, and you can also hear me Tuesdays when I co-host Michelle Miao's program with her. Find out more about the club at commonwealthclub.org. Thanks so much for tuning in today. For more on us and other programs or podcasts you might have missed, you can head to michellemiao.com.